Hey guys, you're listening to Drunken Uncultured. We are a drinking problem masquerading as a pop culture podcast. I'm Lindsay. I'm Stephanie. And there's like a, I think a one second delay for some reason on like our video. So Stephanie will like, start talking and I have no idea and it's throwing me off. Yeah, my internet's really bad today. I can't, I can't explain why. Yeah, I mean, it could be me too. It was just very weird because I like normally will see you talking and then I'm like, well, I think um, the only reason I think it's my Internet is because I was on TikTok earlier and it wouldn't let me load comments because it said Internet Mm. signal is bad. Yeah, that's always an indication of that. (laughs) Yeah. So that's why I think. Um, Okay. Well, uh, I feel like we have a jam packed agenda after our last episode being very short. Not that we are prepared anyways, but we got a lot of things to say. Uh, we got so a lot of thoughts your week? to be said. Yeah, so this is the first week of the month. Um, I'm going to talk about my five favorite albums that came out in the month of August. Um, I will admit, I'm very behind on listening to things. Um, so I will also admit, I'm very behind as well. So I've kind of listened I don't know to, that I've listened to anything. I've listened. To, I've been kind of trying to like pick out things I'm either looking forward to or things that i've seen on our indie heads the things that have been like floating to the top so i'm a little behind on august so the first album i'm gonna highlight came out on august 12th and it is the new album from ocs slash the ocs slash the ocs spelled differently slash the ocs spelled differently so what I think is funny is on Spotify, this says it's by OCs and then also Z-T-H-E-E-O-C's as That's well. That's O-H-S-E-E-S. Like it has two artists and they're both. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Um, but it's it says OCs, like O-S-E-E-S and them. Yeah. And like the other names. I know. Because if you go. And maybe because they keep changing their names that people get confused and have no idea how to find their stuff on Spotify. Maybe. But uh, I know if you go to This Is The OCs, all the new stuff shows up on that playlist. Okay. So, um, well, at least Spotify is doing the work for them. So their new album, I don't even know how many albums they have. I'm not counting. There is a lot. Um, this is called A Foul Form. So this is their their last album came out right in the beginning of the pandemic. So this is their first album that they're actually getting to, like, release and tour immediately. So it's this is a little bit more of a – it's more of a heavier sound than I think Protein Dream was. Or Threat? Fuck. What was the name of that last Protein album? Protein Threat. Protein Threat. Sorry, I was looking Protein at Protein Threat. Protein Threat. Okay. So this is a little bit heavier than that, but it's still, it's a really fun album. I enjoy it a lot. You bought a physical copy and got to see them play this last night. Yep. That was great. So, yeah, I I loved it a lot. I need to get my physical copy still, and I'm hoping I can get it when I see them next weekend here in Chicago. Oh, they had a bunch. Yeah. I wouldn't be too worried. They, when they tour, they bring, like, every vinyl they've ever had, ever, it feels like. So, like, if you're ever missing an OC's album, like, go see them live, and I, there's a high likelihood they'll have it. Uh, it was actually really funny. So, at the merch table, the guy um, that was selling merch, he's British, he was like, you think they'd give me a bigger table for all this shit, huh? <laughs> <laughs> like, just saying that to me, because I was up there, like, trying to figure out what to get. 
Uh, and I was like, I mean, I kind of feel like they do this on purpose so that, like, you're overwhelmed and then you just get a bunch of shit because you don't know what to get, like, by the time you finally get up. Um, and he was like, yeah, I mean, maybe, but... That's how I felt. because I feel like it's all collapsing on me. <laughs> that's, uh, that's how I felt at the Frankie and the Witchfingers merch table earlier this year. They had, like, six albums and five t-shirts and a poster that had like the neon lights on it and I bought it and I didn't even look at the poster because it looked so cool in the dark it's for their Austin Texas Mm. show (laughs) like I didn't even look Um, at the poster (laughs) like I was just so overwhelmed that it looked so cool and they set it up and they got me uh there was a poster that John Dwyer designed like that was for sale but it was like a blue light poster and Matt and I were like ugh it's not worth it if you don't have a blue light. I know. That's Because it's, like, super, like, neon. That's how – I mean, this poster that we have is really cool, but I I think there's a specialty poster for the Chicago shows again. Yeah, there was a specialty poster for our show, but Matt was also, like, we already have an Okies poster that's really cool. I don't know if it's worth getting yeah. another one just and just having – Just to have it. Yeah, I yeah. hear it. Um, so I gave this album a nine. Um, yeah. Let's see if my new mouse will move for me. Okay. So the next one I'm going to talk about also came out on August 12th. It's the new album from Sylvan Esso, and it's called No Rules Sandy. So Sylvan Esso, obviously, I don't even know, again, how many albums they've had. Their music has kind of evolved, and it's gone in, like, waves of being more... It's always, you know, obviously heavily electronic, but their style of electronics has changed over time. This feels more like a glitchy, hyper-pop kind of sound, and obviously that's very popular right now. But they do a good job of, like, using that style of electronics with, like, the lead singer's voice is very, like, soft and flowy still. So it's it was a really good album. I gave it an 8. Okay. Uh, I have not listened to that. I also don't know what glitch pop means, but I'll take your word for it. You know, I'll like, listen to it at some point. yeah, you'll figure it out. Um, it's It makes sense when you can, I obviously, if you hear a couple songs that fall into that category or, like, musicians or anything, it you can kind of pick it out. Um, so the next one I'm going to talk about came out on August 19th. It's the new album from Hot Chip, and it's called Freak Out Release. Um, so I liked this album a lot. It's more subtle, like where Sylvanesso was more heavy in their electronics. Hot Chip felt a little bit more like reserved in their electronics on this, but um, it's still a really good album. Hot Chips, they just make consistently good music. And I had actually heard a couple of these singles off of the album live earlier this year. So I've been kind of anticipating this for a while. And it was really good. I liked it a lot. Um, I gave this an 8 out of 10 as well. Um, the next one I'm going to talk about came out on August 26th. And it's the new album from Julia Jacklin, And it's called Pre-Pressure. So I describe Julia Jacklin as like a different kind of sad girl album. Like it's still fi- it fits in the sad girl category, but it's not... It's more of like the Phoebe Bridger side of uh, Sad Girl rather than like the Mitski side of Sad Girl or like yeah. the Lana Del Rey side of Sad Girl. 
um, where it's still very like rock forward. But I mean, she's nothing. It it's there's no comparison like between her and Phoebe. But like when I describe the music, that's the best way I I could think of it. Um, she's an icon. My favorite is that TikTok that I think I sent you that was like, here's what your whatever says about you, and it's like sad girl music, and like the end was like uh julia jackson they're like this is the correct answer it's a good answer she's phenomenal um this album was great her last album was very much a breakup album and this is a little bit more of like feels a little bit more like an independence kind of album so it's not quite as sad as her last album Mm -hmm. but it was really good i gave it a nine i loved it my physical copy came in and i haven't opened it yet but the version i ordered is very pretty and i'm very excited to break it out nice um just so you know i feel like if i were ever to like be able to write music or sing or have any musical talent i would only make sad girl music but it would be about like mundane things that like i drop something on the ground and you know like i say i want to kill myself for like the stupidest shit yeah it would be about that. Just, like, sad things about, like, oh, fuck, I, like, have to get out of bed now. Or, oh, I have to call. My shoes are on the other side This of the meeting room. could have been an email. Yeah, exactly. That's what I would write sad girl music about. This beer isn't as cold as I want it to be. Um, I wish this was a little more carbonated. This, uh, I have a yeah. very upset tummy right now, and I'm being very brave about it. <laughs> exactly. Um, the la- My head hurts. My head always hurts. <laughs> Um, the last one I'm going to talk about, um, also came out on August 26th. It's Brett McKenzie. So, um, he is most well known for being half a flight of the Concords. Yeah, I didn't know his name. Not gonna lie. Um, he is the one that's not an actor. Okay. Um, but so he wrote an album called Songs Without Jokes that this is like his first time making music that's not comedy music. And it's actually really like good. Music. It's really good. It's a really good listen. He makes like soft kind of indie music. Interesting. Um, I highly recommend check checking it out. it out. I really didn't like I was kind of like, wait, I like saw the name pop up of like new album releases. And I was like, no way. He makes music on his own, and he makes it that's not a com- not comedy music. And it was great. Um, I gave it a seven. It was good. I had a good time. Cool. All right. Uh, so that is music. That corner. is Stephanie's music corner, highlighting the month um, of August. Interesting. We haven't had many. We haven't had tens in the second half of the year, really. Not. yet but also um i feel like the albums i've given tens i listened to after we recorded the episode so some of my tens Mm. didn't make the cut of the episode got it yeah it's just a timing thing Uh, i'm looking now or even like some of my like nines are i've come up you know i've come across later just because i've been so busy behind yeah um, cool. So with that, let's get into the beer. Uh, Stephanie, what are you drinking? I am drinking. Um, I have not had this in a really long time. So I am drinking Waddle from Off Color Brewing. This is their Oktoberfest. It's also very cute. And it has penguins dancing at a bar with a walrus playing an accordion on the label. Oh, fun. And there's a drunk penguin um, laying down on the side. 
because he's too drunk to stand. Wait, can I sleep with that? I'm like... There he oh, is. Cute. But yeah, so... He's so cute. You also like penguins, don't you? I do. I also like yeah. Oktoberfest beers. I have not had an Oktoberfest yet. It's, uh, it's been unfortunate. Um, so I'm drinking Comet Pale Ale from our friends at Standard Deviant. I also have not had this in a long time. That long time being since last night. Oh. Um, and all weekend. <laughs> um, so this is a, a pretty yeah. recent release of theirs. I want to say they started brewing this. I, I think it maybe is an, like they've made this before. You know, honestly, I don't know the whole story. I probably should have asked them. Um, and I can't find anything online because it's standard deviant. But they don't share any other information. No. Um, Mark, come on. Tell us the details. Yeah, he's, you know, he's not going to do that. I know. Um, it's a pale ale. They definitely were advertising, brewing it a couple, like a month ago or so. Um, and canning it. I've been drinking this, like, exclusively along with, like, the Kolsch and the Hef, um, lately. But, like, to start with, most days when I'm there, I'll start with the Comet Pale Ale. Um, been enjoying this quite a bit. So I got them to go, and we're drinking this on here. Yeah, I actually picked this up on Sunday when I was at the Off-Color Tap Room. We had not, I had not been in, like, over a year. And we just kind of decided, spur of the moment, we weren't doing anything, that we would just go walk over there. Yeah. It was well worth it. Uh, do you want to describe yours? Yeah, so... Um, this is a pretty standard Oktoberfest lager. It is um, it is a, considered a Marzen style. It's malty. It's smooth. It's caramely. It's a little sweet. It's a really, you know, tra- good traditional Oktoberfest. Okay, so I'm on Untapped. The first check-in of this was the 24th of July. Of yours. So... Yeah, so I, I maybe if this is like a new beer that they did, um, but it's brewed with Comet hops, which I I haven't had too much of, but I love the like, um, like galaxy naming of hops these days. Mm-hmm. So this is like pretty traditional pale ale, similar to like what pretty all of standard deviance beers are pretty traditional to their style. This yes. one's got um, like stone fruit flavor. Um, like very like refreshing um a little bit of dryness on the back end uh and there's like for it being like a regular pale ale not a whole lot of like hoppiness um so it's kind of got like a like that stone fruit flavor comes in like pretty heavily and gives it almost like a juicy um aspect of it without being like a juice bomb it just kind of like is quenching Mm -hmm. mm-hmm mm-hmm All right, do you got three words? I do. I'm going to say caramely, malty, and bready, which are the words I would likely use to describe most Oktoberfest-style beers. I'm going to call this fruity, like stone fruity specifically, um, refreshing, and high-key crushable because I crushed a lot of these this weekend. That is fair. Like, and it's only 5.6%, so it's not, like, that dangerous. Yeah, um, that's an easy like, one to drink. With us having had a heat wave, 
Uh, so we had a heat wave this weekend. Like, crushing these was a great time. Cool. You guys so did Alex, have a heat wave. I forgot about that. It was like a hundred, or it wasn't a hundred there. It was a hundred down in Southern California, but it was probably in like the eighties up in. Oh no, it was like a hundred. Oh really? Not in like San Francisco. Outside. But like Oakland. Yeah. My boss said it was like a hundred. Um, in Oakland, South Bay was at a hundred. Um, San Francisco was at like ninety-five. So like hot. Um, that is really so hot. So we spent the weekend like not at home essentially. Yeah. In your non-AC heaven apartment. Exactly. Um, cool. So with that, let's get into the episode. Um, in honor of Riot Fest coming up. So by the time this comes out, Riot Fest will be like that week in, a, in what? Yeah, so this episode will come out... Four days? Uh, on Monday, the 12th, be like... and Riot Fest kicks off on the 16th. Yeah, so we wanted to do an episode um, about my favorite festival, at least, in Chicago. Um, I don't know about yours, but like one of the, the fun fan favorite festivals. It's an iconic, um, long-time running festival in the city of Chicago. Okay, well, it's my favorite. It's a good, it's a really good festival. When I say it that way, like, don't take it as a, I don't, I mean, I go to, I've been to Riot Fest almost as many times as i've been to Lollapalooza, so yeah i feel like you just say that because your favorite's pitchfork my favorite's pitchfork yeah rye fest is my favorite because it like brings in the heydays of being like of, like emo music like punk music ska it's like for me i love it because it's like i can see all of these artists that i wouldn't necessarily go pay to see but like would go see if I could see that's a really good way of describing I mean my that's why I go to festivals I feel like in the first place is you get so many acts in one vicinity that even if you're you know like only gonna check out a couple each day like if you were to add up going to individual shows or like even acts like you would never go see on their own like it's that's one of the things that's really fun and you're right Riot Fest brings in a lot of these like old school bands which like even Mm -hmm. some like way old school bands and it's the only festival that can do what they can do the misfits are doing a 40 year anniversary um album play so like yeah i mean like old old bands and then they also like a good mix of like newer bands and a good mix of like our age nostalgia bands so Mm -hmm. it's for me i really like enjoy going because there's such a like broad mix of not just rock because uh, sometimes there's like rap artists. They've like, had some the really like, good hip hop acts play over the years. Um, yeah, exactly. So it's that's why I love it so much. But anyways, um, sorry. <laughs> no, <laughs> intro it's uh... for two minutes. We can talk about the history. Well, I was before we even talk about the history. Like, what is your history with Riot Fest? When we we kind of talked about what we like about it. Yeah. What was your first Riot Fest, and what made you like fall in love with the festival the way that you have? Um, okay, so I moved to Chicago in 2017, I think, mm-hmm. um, and that was my first Riot Fest. Uh, I honestly could not tell you why me and my ex decided to go. I think maybe we were hanging out with you and Steve, and you guys brought up going, so we looked up the set list, and he was like, oh, fuck, we, or the, not the set list, the lineup, and he was like, oh, fuck, we gotta go. Because um, I wasn't very big into festivals at that point either. Like, I'd gone to, like, two in my lifetime, I think, maybe three. Mm-hmm. 
No, no, I had gone to a couple because I used to go to Shaky Knees. But um, so we we did that, and we um, it was like one of the first couple times like we had hung out, and afterwards. I think we, like, skipped Nine Inch Nails, one of the many times we skipped Nine Inch Nails, maybe. Yeah, because it was former um, guest to to Joe's, former guest Joe's it was birthday. birthday. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so one of the many times that we skipped seeing Nine Inch Nails to go to something else, which I feel like is kind of a running gag. Um, it's like that. There's been five the times I could have seen Nine Inch Nails, and I haven't. Yeah. <laughs> what's that late night show that is, like, sorry to Matt Damon, we ran out of time. Oh, I can't remember yeah. which one it is. I don't know what that one is, but I know that there's that thing from SNL where it's the what's up with that? And it was always Bill Hader as Lindsey Buckingham, and they never got mm-hmm. to Lindsey Buckingham. Yeah. It's essentially that for us. We're like, <laughs> we just never get to Nine Inch Nails. And I think we still may not see Nine Inch Nails this year, but we'll see. We'll find out. I don't say, know. I feel like you, there's a You conflict. say that, but we'll find out. We'll know. <laughs> well, maybe we Will we? Will we not? We probably won't. Honestly, I kind of <laughs> don't want to see them just to keep it going. Just, just to make continue to, like, edge yourself of the number of seeing non-engineers. <laughs> Please don't say edge yourself like that, you freak. Um, so that was my first experience at Riot Fest. So it was, like, hanging out with you and Steve and uh, my ex. And I don't know. It was, like, I, I had a lot of fun. I felt like everyone was so, like kind and accepting of everyone else it's like a place where pretty much like if you are if you feel like you're an outcast in society like I I feel like I grew up that way um in middle school and high school um everybody is like that everybody looks like you everybody dresses like you everyone has gone through that and it's just like this understanding that everyone has and this like camaraderie spirit that really like did it for me and then the years after that I it's became more and more of like feeling like this was like a home, like a, like an acceptance there. So um, my first Riot Fest was actually 2013, back when it was in Humboldt Park. Um, I was an intern out here in Chicago, and I was on, I remember being on the red line heading to my office one day, and I like looked up at like the ads that were on the side and I saw this thing that said, uh, I didn't even see what the festival was called. I just saw Fall Out Boy, Blink-182, Reunion for the Replacements. And I was like, what is that? I need to go find where that is, and I have to go to that. Yeah. So I went by myself to Riot Fest at 19 years old. Oh, I love that. <laughs> um, and I saw it. I went to my first Riot Fest. Um, it was... It was really cool. Like I thought the lineup was so cool because that year some of the other bands were like um, Sublime with Rome was there. Joan Jett and the Blackhearts played. Obviously, Guar and Andrew WK at that point in my life were a big sell. I mean, they're a huge, they're a huge sell today. They're still but a big they sell. They were a really big sell when I was nineteen. Um, like Violent Femmes played and Blondie, um, the Pixies played. So it was just really cool and I was really into it um it was a lot smaller then than it is now even though some of these names I'm dropping sound bigger the festival itself was a lot smaller um I'm looking at 2017 headliners now because I can't remember I'm curious uh Queens of the Stone Age Nine Inch Nails Jawbreaker yeah yeah that was a good year for headliners too but um 
Yeah, New Order was um, on the same day as Nine Inch Nails. I remember that. Yep, we went and saw them. Oh, man, this was such a good year. At the drive-in. I forgot about that. Yeah. Um, but I think ever since that, it's also just kind of, like, especially now that I've moved away, it's also sort of just become, I think for me and maybe for you too, it's just like the day or the weekend that the, like the band gets back together for us. Like everybody, everybody all our friends knows. are there. Everybody you know shows up and you just like run into people you know. And like that, like I love that. And I, I think I'll always go to Riot Fest, even if the lineup sucks. Like I just always want to go because it feels like the, like the time that we all get back together and we all hang out. And like we go to the shows, but also we go drinking after, or we go drinking before, and we go get breakfast, and just like it feels like it's like a, fa- like a trip. It's where, a like, family get together at this point. That's what Riot yeah. Fest is. It's our version of a cookout, the the family like reunion cookout. <laughs> that really is what it is. Eating shitty chicken tenders and uh, guzzling dark matter cold brew. Um, yeah, you know, I hadn't really thought about it that way, but I I really think that part of i mean what draws people to riot fest is the community and like like you were saying people we didn't know were going to be there we'll just run into a bunch of random people that we had no idea were going and they just happen to be there and it's you know we've just know so many people from over the years that really fit into this vibe and it's a really good time yeah exactly oh your internet caught back up so your mouth is moving in time with your voice. Oh. Very exciting. Oh, good. I'm glad I can be of service. It's not throwing me off anymore. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I think that that's, I think it's that way for a lot of people too. Like, I do know a lot of people that travel to Riot Fest specifically because like either they lived in Chicago at some point and like this is how they feel or like it's similar to like Fest in Gainesville where it's just kind of like one of the few festivals out there that like has that scene. Yeah. You're not going to find anything quite like, and I think Fest is a really good comparison. You're not going to find anything that's quite like the family vibe that you're going to get at Riot Fest. There's a lot of other all rock festivals, Mm -hmm. um, but it's it's nothing like Riot Fest. Okay, so now that we've... Now we've gushed say, we've spilled our hearts. <laughs> um, let's go into some history. Um, I don't know if you have anything specifically that you want to talk about, but I have an oral history open in front of me. Um, why don't you kick off and then I can jump in with things. Okay, actually this oral history is not great to look at. Okay, well, I mean, then I can start. So, um, Riot Fest was... It's just like people from artists. Oh, yeah. Like artists talking about it so um then i can i could start and you can interject um so riot fest started um here in chicago in 2005 and i am going to drastically say these two guys names wrong um unless you have an idea of how to say their names Lindsay. <laughs> um mike Picherwin. that's as close as that's yeah. closer than i probably would have and then it. right mike yeah uh AKA Riot Mike and Sean McHugh. We, we I don't know. I'm not gonna be sorry for you butchering. I'm that. not gonna be dropping last names. So Mike and Sean. Um, so Riot Mike, right, Sean? Um, they started this as a. Um, 
it was an all independent venue like shows over a three-day weekend so basically what you would do is it was the metro subterranean double door may she rest in peace cobra lounge and the congress that building was condemned we do not like her um it was basically a three-day weekend, and you had your ticket, and you would go to these shows at these various venues around the city. Um, some of the big names back in those days were Social Distortion, Weezer, Alkaline Trio, Bad Brains, Dead Milkmen, Bad Religion, Butthole Surfers, you know, early, you know, mm-hmm. this was 2005. So the first year um, that it moved to a true festival setting that we you know think of as a music festival was 2012 um so it used to take place over two days in humboldt park and uh they did a friday night like kickoff show at the congress this was in 2012 congress got condemned shortly after um so that year headliner wise we were looking at offspring rise against iggy and the stooges damn iggy played i would sell my soul to see him um but so that was the first year that it was at um humble um it was originally marketed and i mean it it's not so much marketed this way anymore but it was originally called riot fest and carnival and they had and they still do have carnival rides. They have some carnival games. It used to be more. It used to feel yeah. like back in the Humboldt Park days, it felt like you were at a shitty carnival and there just happened to be live punk music playing. Um, so there's like carnival games and they used to have like masked wrestlers and, um, you know, shitty carnival food vendors and so that was, you know, in 2012. And the festival eventually expanded starting in 2013 to Toronto and Denver. So it would be uh, Toronto was end of August. Chicago was always around, you know, that third weekend of September. And then Denver was the weekend following uh, Chicago. I don't know what the theme was in Toronto, but I know the Denver was one was a rodeo. So I always thought I always wanted to go to that because I was like, that sounds bananas. I need to understand what this is. Um, Mm -hmm. And then eventually it did. um, It never happened, but they did try to expand to Brooklyn and Dallas as well. And then um, Sean, one of the founders, actually passed away in 2016 which was um, after his passing, it's only been a Chicago event. Yeah, so this um, oral history is kind of shitty because like half of the pages are broken and don't exist anymore. But it sort of talks about how Mike did not know what he was doing. So he was a music industry outsider and he basically like decided one day to throw this festival. and he's now he had never promoted before he had never booked a band before and um let me see this is it gets really funny um they talk about how like he didn't know like artists were like do you have this piece of equipment do you have this piece of equipment he was like yeah and like didn't know 
like basically like lying that, on his resume that and then feels found it. very much the vibe of early riot fest as a whole oh yeah yeah it absolutely does um and then they talk about like for food they were like making giving like deli meat and like the mom like his mom uh or his wife's mom was making like brownies and cookies and they were feeding that to the band and like it was just like literally like the most like puts like uh like roughly put together like very much you didn't know what you were doing but the bands had so much fun and they had so much fun doing it they kept decided to keep doing it and that was like kind of like how it started Mm -hmm. so they shot their shot riot fest happened and haven't looked back that's really cute that uh, I don't even I can't even like um, think of a better way to like explain like Riot Fest very much feels like a oh you shot your shot and here we are. <laughs> no, I mean Riot Fest it's it's put together fine now, but it definitely like it's like one of those things where like like your dad has your dad ever built something and you've been like that's sketchy as hell oh dad. absolutely yeah <laughs> that's gonna like fall apart yeah it's like that where like they're like yeah 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 i know what i'm doing and then like hammering something into the wall that's like not into a stud and like you watch the shelves like fall that's down that's like me and my college roommates never actually fall down it's like hanging it's what? like hanging stuff in my college house with my roommates <laughs> yeah exactly and you're like waiting for it to fall down but it never actually does yeah. uh it's kind of like that um, one thing I think is really synonymous with Riot Fest as well um, is their reunions. So yeah. not every year, but qu- quite a few times, they I don't know who they have to call and who they have to talk to. They have gotten bands to reunite and play together for the first time since their breakup at Riot Fest. So... Ween talks about talked about this two years ago. I think maybe actually twenty nineteen, where they were like, We weren't gonna play this festival, but this fucker Mar- Mike calls us up and he's like, You're fucking playing this and you're playing the mollusk. I don't give a shit. <laughs> and then like hangs up. That's how they describe it. Uh and then hangs up and they're like, Oh, I mean, I guess we're doing that then. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. Um so I mean maybe he's just a force. At this point he's like probably very well known in the industry. At this point, yeah. For these bands. So the first, I mean, there's probably been others, but the first one that's um, super well recognized that Riot Fest did as a reunion show was The Replacements in 2013. So I did not actually know this. The Replacements broke up publicly on stage at Taste of Chicago in 1991. <laughs> and their, their first performance together was at the Toronto Riot Fest that year, but, you know, they, they marketed the Chicago show as a reunion show as well. So uh, I just think that's hilarious. <laughs> I don't know how he pulled that off, but good for them. Um, some of the other, like, big reunion shows over the year, and I did not know this was a reunion show at Riot Fest because I have seen them since. Naked Raygun. Yeah. I did not know that was a Riot Fest reunion show because I've seen them twice now. Um, looks like Jesus and the Mary Chain was a reunion show. I've seen them. I didn't know that was a Riot Fest reunion. Uh, Chiodos, which, meh, whatever. Uh, they got crap. The Academy is did a reunion show. That was considered a reunion show, or, too, yeah. Yeah. I can't remember if it was their last show, if there was a reunion, but I think it was a reunion show. Um, then, obviously, I think the, the, the Misfits is, I think, the biggest one they've gotten. Um, 
And then obviously I think my favorite reunion show ever. And because I was there to wit, I actually was there to watch it. And it was the first show they did uh, was Jawbreaker. Because mm-hmm. I didn't get to witness the first replacements show. I saw the second replacements show. But that first Jawbreaker show was iconic. And obviously, I've seen Jawbreaker a bunch of times since then, but that first show was so interesting because the way they did it is they had, like, all of their, the band, all the, the three guys in the band had all of their friends and family stand behind them, and it was just, like, the three guys, the Jawbreaker sign, and their friends and family. Oh, that's cool. And, like, that crowd was insane. Yeah. Um, so I think another thing that's pretty synonymous with Riot Fest is like the album playthroughs. Oh yeah. So that's like something that uh is heavily heavily advertised and people like go direct specifically for. And that's kind of what I hinted at, like with Ween and Lamalisk full playthrough. That was um, did they, they they did that in twenty one or in nineteen? I think nineteen. Um I think it was nineteen. Uh, they do stuff like that, and it's really cool to be able to, like, like, you know, you have an artist that you absolutely love, but, like, there's one album that you love above all, like, for example, like, Yellow Card's doing Ocean Avenue this year, and, like, it's usually, like, an epic choice that they have, and they force the artists to play, but what I think is fun about that is some of the artists, like, do, like, have a good time with it, where they don't necessarily play it start to finish, like, when we saw, um, Block Party. That is an excellent example of backwards that is a good example of a playthrough and like we were so excited to see block party play silent alarm and then they start off and we're like expecting one thing and then all of a sudden we're like what the fuck there and then we realized they were playing it backwards and that was just like a really iconic way to do it that block so, party like, one even in this was so cool because silent alarm for those familiar with the band that that album the beginning, like side A, is hard hitters. That album starts off with Like Eating Glass, and that song slaps. Mm-hmm. It goes so hard. So for them to start with, like, you know, the B side and then work backwards to these super yep. hard hitting songs was, oh, chills thinking about it. It was so much fun, too. And that was the day that tre- uh, former guest Trevor was in the Slayer pit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we were like, I was, everyone was like, where's Trevor? And I was like, it's fine. He's in the Slayer pit. And everyone was like, oh, God, is he okay? But I think that's, like, a fun thing that they do. So, like, they they have an, an artist play, like, a full playthrough, but then the artist has, like, the freedom to do it however they want. Mm-hmm. They can do it weird. They can do it, like, picking songs however they want. They can go front to back, back to front. Uh, the only requirement is just that they play the album. We, I think you were with me. I think it was 2019, Flaming Lips did Yoshimi Battles with Pink mm. Robots. Yep. Did we not cry during that? I don't know. You might have. I don't think I cried during that. I definitely cried during Riot Fest, though. More than once. Okay. Um, I don't have anything else that I wanted to talk about. Uh, actually, I do. I guess we want to talk about the... Um, Douglas Park. Oh, well, so yeah. So I can probably start with this. Um, So obviously Riot Fest used to take place in Humboldt Park up until 2015. Um, Basically, the community in Humboldt Park um, 
they said that um i'm trying to find the best way to say this uh the residents basically stood up against the privatization of their park by having riot fest there even though at the time riot fest was the only festival that you had to pay for entry to get into um the idea was that they were standing up against gentrification that was displacing the poor residents and erasing the presence of people of color in the neighborhood which honestly is kind of ironic now because humboldt park is super gentrified (laughs) yeah and it was basically like the community complained to the aldermen and the aldermen decided to push them out of the the park um Obviously, the big complaint was noise, trash in the park, the park having to be closed for certain times, things like that. Um, I actually found this article from 2015 that basically is saying, like, oh, look at us. We we should be celebrating that we, you know, displaced this music festival. Um, and then they also, and it's specifically that they're saying that the residents no longer have to feel that their community park is controlled by private hands. That's what they're saying, or that's what they had been saying. Um, And then obviously Riot Fest in 2015, with very short notice, if I remember correctly, they ended up finding a Douglas Park in North Lawndale. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's been there ever since. it's this it's been an issue of discussion several times over the years but i feel like this year specifically it's become a bigger hot button topic because so riot fest moved there in 2015 but since then two additional festivals have moved into the park and that's obviously it seems as though that's been decided without community involvement And I think that's where a lot of the sticking points come from. Because Riot Fest is the longest festival to be in the park and the most well-known, it kind of takes a brunt of the media discussion, even though those two festivals already happened this year in the peak summertime Mm -hmm. months. Riot Fest is a little bit later, so, you know, theoretically, it's not as big of a deal for eating up summertime park use. But the community within um, North Lawndale, I think they've said that the park itself this year, with these three festivals taking place, this public park has been closed 45 days. Yeah, I think that's interesting. Um, I'm looking at uh, Chicago Sun-Times like editorial piece, and it says 47 days, um, and it's the south side of the park. But they also bring up another interesting point that – like these what uh like of the repercussions of these festivals and the major ones are that there are two trauma center hospitals that border um the park Mm -hmm. and what they've seen in the years is and like they have testimony they have um like data that show the festivals tend to negatively impact the health and safety of the neighborhood because the roads get so congested that is true that it is like impossible to get to the emergency room there if needed which I, I've never I've never considered, um, and I think that's an interesting point, and it's probably accurate, but I don't know how you would rectify that. Yeah, that's 
so that's really kind of where my thought is too so there was an activist that spoke we actually went to former guest justin he does his like variety show the not that late show and he actually had a commute one of the members of this community organization um this person their organization is mostly based in <coughs> little village but obviously that's right next to north lawndale so he was speaking a lot about you know the health and safety of the community with these festivals happening and the recommendation that was brought forward is oh chicago should build uh, a world-class festival ground and of course you know the first thing me steve and trevor are sitting there looking at each other and we're like with what money chicago's never going to do that so yeah uh, and it's going to take 15 years yeah. that they do so that's what's really that's where it becomes a tough spot you know like i understand not wanting this in your community but then it's like oh i want this to still happen just not in my backyard and that's very right. much the humble park discussion is that people didn't want it in their backyard they didn't want it to not happen they just didn't want it in their community which i think is so i think it's interesting that this is like riot fest getting the brunt of this uh and i know we talked about like it's just you know because they're the biggest yeah. one the last one whatever it's, it's hard to see Riot Fest get the brunt of this criticism because, one, I mean, the people that go are very kind. They're very nice to the community. Um, like, they're not, like, Lollapalooza kids throwing trash yeah. everywhere. Like, the park is, I think, really well taken care of. Two, um, Riot Fest does a, like, and I know, like, the, the neighborhood says it's not enough, but I feel like they do more than any festival I've ever seen. Um... Like, they do more work than any festival I've ever seen, like, for outreach in the neighborhood. Like, they pay to fix the park, obviously, because they have to, but they hire neighborhood people for, like, the weekend to work. They give them free tickets. Like, you can just buy, you can just go and say, I live in this neighborhood, show them proof, and you get a free ticket. Um, I think they also do, like, charity events, like, community events. They do events clean there. up Douglas Park events. I know that's a thing that they do. And No, no, I, I know. That's right. part of, like, the requirement from the no, state. No, I'm talking, like, like, like throughout general, the year. Oh. Not just around Riot Fest. I'm saying like oh, they do oh, Riot events. Fest is, like clean the park. Yes, events. got it. They also do like like they they donate food. They donate like goods to the neighborhood. And I don't know. It's hard for me to see that when I know like how much good Riot Fest tries to do for the community, especially after having gotten kicked out of Humboldt. I think it's like an intentional thing that they do because they know how tough it is for the neighborhood. They know that they're not wanted there. Yeah. And they're trying to, like, do as much as they can within reason to, like, make peace with the community. So I think one of the specifically the big issues this year um, is that there is a you are required to hold a single community at, at least a single community meeting. Uh, the person that Riot Fest put as the person in charge of the community meeting did a very poor job. He scheduled it in, like, the middle of the workday on a Tuesday when obviously most of the community is not able to go, it's a working class neighborhood. And this neighbor, North Lawndale is a heavily Hispanic neighborhood and there was not a translator. And the guy was just, from what turned out, there was a journalist in the crowd that went to this community meeting and this guy had like a very poor tone with the neighborhood people that were trying to ask questions. Obviously, he didn't care that they didn't understand what he was saying. 
uh, he was eventually he was eventually uh, let go from his role um, because he took so much media criticism for this, which obviously very bad, um, and it makes the festival look worse because they have this person speaking on their behalf, acting this way. Yeah. Uh, the I've seen, and the the organizer that spoke at the Not That Late show was saying that obviously Riot Fest knew what they were doing by putting this person in charge of it and letting him act this way, which I think again is a fair criticism. I was not there; I cannot speak to it, but I, you know, it's a hard judgment to make. Yeah, I agree. Um, okay, so with that, uh, I do have a fun thing to end-ish on, like, last topic, if you're yeah. done and ready for a last topic. Can you name your top five favorite Riot Fest sets? Ooh, that's hard. And you don't have to go in order, but yeah. like your five favorites. So I've been to 13, 16, 17, 18, 19, 21. I've been to six Riot Fests. Um... Jawbreaker 2017, that was their reunion set. Um, oh, that's really tough. Yeah, I know. Block Party 2019, the Silent Alarm set. Um, Flaming Lips 2016, because that was the first time I ever saw them. Uh, okay. They were one of the headliners that year. Um, I had one. I just lost it. Honestly, it's going to sound crazy. I was going to say Slipknot last year. Dude, I totally yeah. that. That's not crazy. Um, That was such a good set. Oh, God. I've been to so many riot fests. Um, yeah, I'm looking at like the different. I know. Oh, I've been to so many. I said, okay, I said Jawbreaker, Block Party, Flaming Lips, Slipknot. I think I'm also going to say Queens of the Stone Age in 2017. Yeah. I remember you, like, all of a sudden, like, after that, like, not all of a sudden, but after that, you were, like, obsessed with Josh Homme. I mean, I was before then, but that was... No, but it was, like, weird. That was... It got got a little weird after that. I think that was the first time I ever saw them, was the 2017 show. Yeah, that makes sense. It got a little weird after that. Not in, like, a bad way, but we were, like, talking about it a lot. I was like, all right, (laughs) where's this coming from? Although, honorable um, mention, uh, the first time I ever saw Under Oath, who I saw them at Riot Fest 2016, and I was, like, up in the fucking front, in the pit. I was in it. And that was really fun. Yeah. Okay. So, I'm going to say, in no order, no particular order, if you're going to judge me for this, Um, but... Taking back Sunday 2017 because it was, fuck, it was so wild. I don't even think I was there. Um, he was, 
they were playing at the same time as Queens of the Oh, Stone that's Age, why I wasn't and there. And Adam Lazera. No, it was the same time. And Adam Lazera just keeps going. Oh, they're playing this song. And, like, every, like, time he did it, like, he would do it, like, every 10 minutes or so. And it was the same song because he only knew one of their songs, I think. Uh, and, like, I was in the pit. It was amazing. I got kicked in the head. And it was just, like, a wild, like, reminds me of going to see Taking Back Sunday at, like, small venues. So, Taking Back Sunday 2017 was a lot of fun. Um, I'm also going to say Weezer. 2018? 20. 18 or it was 2018 it was 18 uh weezer 2018 because that was the first time and only time we've heard them play africa live um and that was so much fun um that was absolute chaos it was so and uh, honestly it's specifically just for that memory of that guy saying you're not you're, there's no way you're getting out here and then also see me on the way back like there's no way you're getting in and then high-fiving <laughs> me because i got out and came back in um and that like just cemented my place in being able to leave a packed like show go pee and come back yeah. um and also it was just so much fun because they were playing like all covers and it was that was a lot of covers they like, did that was the first time also. they did take on me as well because remember yeah. river like ran around to, the, ran other to the other stage yeah um so that one was a fun one um i'm also gonna say oh, this isn't the full lineup hold on That's two. Hmm. You're not going to say village people? <laughs> um, I mean, that was fun. Run the Jewels. Also 2018? 2018, I think. Yeah, it was 2018. Because they, play, uh, they played last year and we left early to go to the OCs. Yeah. Um, so Run the Jewels. And then Block Party also 20, or Block Party 2019. So that's four. Um, and there's definitely 2020, oh, Slipknot 2021. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was. Slipknot 2021 is probably going to go, like, down in history. It's, like, one of my favorite set performances After seeing that, I have been trying any possible way to go see Slipknot since then. I want to see them again so bad. Well, it was so funny because, like, it was, we were at Flaming Lips, which is a completely different vibe, and then turn around and go to, like, Slipknot, which is, like, the stage right behind. Um, and we were like, okay, we'll probably only stay for a little bit, but then they start up, and we were just, like, so entranced yeah. the entire time, just like, what? This is incredible. Um, so, thinking of, like, I know we were trying to just do this as a wrap-up, but I'm trying to think of some of my favorite memories from Riot Fest, and I have a couple that I think are just so funny. Um, 2019, we were so desperate to find inflatable lobsters for the B-52s, and we didn't, and then we show up to the festival and everyone's got lobsters. <laughs> They were sold out on Amazon. Like, they weren't going to come until, like, two weeks later. And, like, we had – it was a joke that we kept talking about, too. We are like, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. Like, kind of, um, like, Aquabat yeah, style. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And we're like, no, it's fine. We're not going to do this. And then everybody else fucking did it. Um, and that's why we bought Larry the Lobster for the beach house party. Yes. Um, um, another shout-out, too, and this is something I didn't mention, but the Aquabats, always. Always a fun set. Um – it, it was a Riot Fest, at, well, I guess it was a pre-show. 
Remember when we saw the Aquabats play? We saw Cuckoo Kangaroo. It was like Cuckoo Kangaroo and the Aquabats. That was one of the craziest yeah. shows I've ever been that to. That was one of the best. And like we we've done a decent bit of ripe as like pre shows yeah. and after shows. Uh, one of the best, if not the best. That was um, so much fun. So the first time I ever saw Guar was Riot Fest 2016, and I okay. vividly remember their set because obviously the election was that year. Is that the one where they decapitated? Obama? Yeah. Obama. So yeah. that set was so crazy because they opened the set by decapitating Barack Obama. At one point during the set, they have Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump up on stage. And they rip Hillary's, like, front off. And they, like, ripped Donald Trump's face off. And then Bernie Sanders comes out riding an orc that just jizzes all over the crowd. Yeah. That checks out. <laughs> Uh, was my first time seeing so was crazy. I just like I I vividly 2018? remember it. Was it. My first time seeing War was I think twenty eighteen, and then we went to like go see them at their own show in twenty nineteen. Their own show was insane, and I would go see them again. Yeah, I would too. But what other thing can I think of very right. vividly? What other um, so former guest Caroline and her significant other one year. I forget what year it was. I want to say it was 2017. Um, I ran into them. We were going to get dinner and like to grab food. And like I ran into her and she's like sitting in the grass. And I was like, aren't you supposed to be going to see the Lawrence Arms? And she goes, no, they came out and it's, and then they go, no, it's Danzang. I was like, that's not Danzang. And they're like, no, the, they came on stage and said, hello, our name is Danzang and started playing. <laughs> I'm like, you guys, dancing's on a different stage. Dancing's playing right now. Dancing is like an old oh goth God. man. That's so funny. I love that. Trevor in the uh, the Slayer Pit is another. Honestly, it's not even Trevor in the Slayer Pit. It's everyone's reaction to, Sla- to Trevor in the Slayer Pit where they're like, how are you so calm about this? Um, I do remember I have cried once at Riot Fest. I what? have I have once? cried once. It was tw- uh, 2017. It was the first time I ever saw TV on the radio. Okay. It was me and former guest Justin, and we're up in there, like in like the obviously it's TV on the radio, so it's not like a pit, but it's everybody like jumping and dancing at the front, and it's me and Justin and a bunch of 40 year old dads all just like losing our minds. Um, I think another one for me is Matt and Kim. With the blow-up dolls? Uh, when we were, with, one, with the blow-up dolls with their faces, but then two, when Matt's like, parts like the walls of Kim's vagina, you need to get wider. <laughs> and it's just like describing it. Um, we were dying because he was doing like a wall of death. Riot Fest has Honestly, so just a many... shout out to like anyone. If, it's like go to Matt and Kim shows. They're just so much fun. Um we've just had so much fun at riot fest over the years that's one of the things that um like we were talking at the beginning there's so many like weird iconic things that happen it's like because so many of our friends go and like Mm -hmm. we just uh like last year uh we were hanging out with our good our good bud kyle from soothsayer like we just we found him at the festival. Yeah. You know. Was that village people? Uh, no, that was last year. So oh. that would have been, I think we saw 
Thursday. Was that 3.03? No, uh, no. Uh, former guest Josh came to 3.03 with us. Cool. So I think that covers it. Um, one last you. shout out. If you're listening now, you still have time to go to the best. And I, I literally am saying this. It sounds like an ad. It's not an ad. We're not being paid for this. We're not, we're we're not, not getting anything out of this. Um, we're just trying to shout out our friend and, you know, we support what he does and we're supporting his event. So go to the soothsayer pop punk pizza party. It takes place on Saturday, September 17th at 10 PM at chop shop in wicker park. It's like 20 bucks and you get to go to the really super fun show and you get free pizza and then you can buy hot sauce and you can try hot sauce. And if you're really cool, yeah, Kyle will sure do have, like, bottles with you. Uh, I'm pretty sure they have pop, like bottles of hot sauce for you to try there. Is like on the pizza. Um, and if you see us there, we'll do more with yeah. you. So that about wraps it up. Um, if you enjoyed this episode, please go on your favorite podcast streaming service and give us a five star rating. And if you're feeling extra saucy, you can leave us a written a re- 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 you can leave us a written review. Um, if you're not totally comfortable leaving us feedback in a public forum, uh, you can listen through the music and you'll hear all of our social media information and you can contact us that way or you can send us an email. But if you do leave us a written review, we will read it on the air. We've said this for a long time and none of you have done it. As far as we know. <laughs> At this precise moment, as far as we know. Um, so listen through the song, check out our social media. If you talk to us, we'll talk back to you unless I'm busy cause I run social media. Um, but I will get back to you eventually. Um, and with that, uh, go to riot fest, support your local music scene, and we will see you next time. All right, that was the episode. So we love hearing from you. Um, and if you want to contact us, you can do so through our email address. It is drunkanduncultured at gmail.com. We are also on Facebook at Drunk and Uncultured Podcast. Our Instagram is Drunk and Uncultured. And our Twitter is Drunk Uncultured. No ant. And as always, I'm Lindsay, and you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Untapped at Lindsay Sold Out. And I'm Stephanie, and you can find me on Untapped, Instagram, Twitter, and Tumblr as underscore Stephen Color. And you can also follow my concert Instagram at Shitty Concert Blog. Stay drunk, guys. See you next time.